I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. Rain goes down, dogs chase cats, and the Raiders always lose when RJ attends a football game. Death, taxes, and the RJ curse. I told you before you even went. I told you when you went to the Giants game, was it last year? Giants was two years ago. Years ago was, it was Tennessee was last year. I said, dude, you're yeah. a total mush. You need to stop going to games. I'm never going to a game again, ever. I'm it's- never going to a Raider game for the rest of my life because every time we go, we lose. Now, I know that this is, like, not the best example of a curse because, like, you know, it's the Chiefs for, what, nine-point favorites? You know, it's the Chiefs. Like, it's they got a history doing pretty well against us. So it's not like, all right, we had this one in the bag, but – um kind of how it happened and how it just consistently happens. People say, don't believe in curses. Oh, you're superstitious. Like you come up, it's mathematically impossible for the Raiders to have lost this many games in a row. Every time I attend, like it's, it's about, so like uh, I went with, I went with my wife and she was I'm like, Oh, I'm, what am I going to wear? Cause it's going to be cold, but it's indoors and blah, blah, blah. And she has this like, uh, like she calls it like a shell. Where it's almost like what the coaches wear a little bit, where it's like a like a like a material. It's not a it's like a pullover, not a hoodie. It's not a jacket. It's like a shell, right? She's like, I had the shell, you know. I had that um, when it rained that one game, and I was like, when it rained that one game, Giant that was signal. that was when we were uh, that was when we were in college to see the them versus the Chiefs. You want to guess who won that game too? Mm. <laughs> like. This has been going on 20 years Damn. since I was at San Francisco state. Now in fairness, we did when I went to Qualcomm stadium, that's how long it's been. That was later. That was several years later. So Uh the streak hasn't been going on that long, but in all the decades and decades of me going to games, I think I've seen the Raiders win four times (laughs) in decades of going to games. I've actually witnessed the Raiders beat the chiefs in arrowhead and i was scared for my life leaving that place <laughs> were you talking trash is that why i was i was excited uh-huh. i was excited and uh it was a freaking good game it was cold as hell i think it was in december i've never been that cold in my life it wasn't wet it wasn't like that kind of cold it yeah, was just dry and cold i was like damn no not, not a fart of wind anywhere it was just stagnant stale cold air just just sit still cold air damn it's freaking cold man and we won the game and i was like hell yeah hell yeah i was like and and i I looking around i'm like "Mm." what are chiefs fans gonna do throw barbecue a lot of them dude i'm telling you one person won't do anything 10 yeah they might do something they get brave pretty quick yeah but there's 10 of them yeah i'm thinking there was was like I, i could probably count in my section, there was maybe three Raider fans. It was probably 65% Chiefs at the game, I would say. Yeah, that's what I, I sent, said when I, I saw I sent you. I sent you a picture that was like over 70, like pushing like well into the 70s mm-hmm. because that was like 
kind of like their tunnel the and stuff. So I, area, I, I picked yeah. their section to make it look worse, but like the other side, but it was still like 50, 50 on the good side. And then like 70%, like it was, yeah, it was brutal. It was about 60, 40. I'm thinking of testing my, uh, my curse. I want to go to like a Texas tech Raiders game and see, and see if they'll like when they're like 20 point favorites against some like D two school, dude, freaking big 12 football is brutal, man. And see it and see if they lose. You know, is there like a high school team called the Raiders? Is there like a Pop Warner? Is there a Pee Wee hockey team called the Raiders that I could go and like buy a jersey for, buy a ticket for, and watch, and then just to see them lose like ten to zero? I'm really curious. This is how far this race goes. You're a mush, dude. I'm telling you right now. It's look, it's uncanny. Every time you go to a game, the game itself is fifty fifty, but the probability of it happening in sequence. It just exponentially gets like less and less probable each time you go. Imagine flipping a coin 20 times in a row and you call heads every time and it's tails every time. It's tails every time. What's happening? That's what's happening to me. That's rough, man. That's rough business right there. I, I gotta I gotta see what I gotta see how strong my powers are. I'm gonna do some serious scientific experiments. The powers of the reasons. mush. Not at the Raiders game because we know exactly what happens. Yeah, I don't do that. So uh the Chiefs uh took us down Sunday. Um, 14 point lead to start got outscored 31 to three to end the game. So if Antonio Pierce doesn't get this job, I guess I'm partially responsible because I went to this one game, just a weird, just this way. The Raiders had zero turnovers, zero penalties. Somehow Farva was the highest rated quarterback in the NFL. Somehow, some way. I wouldn't say somehow he did a really good job, man, but he was thoroughly outplayed practically by Patrick Mahomes and as was had a 10 point higher QBR. I don't, I, I weird. I'll disagree with that. And, and, and just finish your thought and I'll tell you why. And Josh Jacobs had a hundred yards rushing and a touchdown. And still we got blown out. It was a blowout. We got blown out at home to a division rival. And I think of like earlier this season, especially last season, we had all those leads that we lost, right? Broke records for blowing leads. And we're like, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, you blame more on Derek Carr. I blame more Josh McDaniels. Neither one of them are there. And we're still doing it. And we're still doing it. This is, I was going to say like, oh, man, this really hurts Antonio Pierce's chances of, you know, not that he's completely out of the woods of, of being the head coach. Not that, you know, not that it was, a done deal or that he's got no chance now. I'm like, Oh, that kind of hurts. It hurts him a little bit. I'm like, does it? Cause it seems to be no matter who the coach is, who the quarterback is, these Raiders are going to blow big leads. Yeah, man. So the game was a lot closer than you might think. Okay. It came, it came down to red zone efficiency. The chiefs were three for four in the red zone touchdowns. We were one for three. One of them was a missed field goal. Another one was a fourth down. So it, it it's that it was that close. Um, so look, I'll just show you how close it was. Okay, um, first downs twenty. That, here's another thing: twenty three to sixteen first downs. That is a little skewed because of the long Josh Jacobs run. We didn't need to get as many first downs to get that that scoring drive. Yeah. Um, but total plays, each team had fifty eight total plays. Total yards, 360 for the Chiefs, 358 for for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Each had 10 total drives. Exact same yards per play, 6.2 yards per play. Uh, so everything was pretty dang even. 
The only thing that's a big discrepancy are going to see is penalties. They had four for 40 yards. We had zero. But their red zone um, uh, trips to touchdowns, three for four, and we were one for three. And those two times that we didn't score touchdowns, that's the difference in the game because we didn't get any points. When you don't have – like normally it's like what's the big thing when a a game is close statistically, but then it turns into kind of a blowout points-wise. Normally turnovers. It's kind of the the big – Standard operating procedure, that's the that's the culprit, right? When all these things are super close and you're still getting blown out, there's always a reason, right? There's always a reason why. Um, and red zone being it is, you know, it's one of the bigger reasons. My big thing was, what does this do for Antonio Pierce's chances? Because I'm thinking, okay, blowing a lead, that's generally on the coach. I feel like that's a, you know, I think that's more under the coach's umbrella than most things. Um, but I, the Raiders I, I keep agree. doing it. and the, But the Raiders just keep doing it. And to have... Because on the flip side, right? It was a very well-coached game. Zero penalties. I think it's like the second time since like 2000 or something. The Raiders, the most penalized team in the NFL by far, got zero. That's a miracle. That is a... that That is, that is God himself reaching through the clouds into Allegiant Stadium and touching the referee on the head. Like, that doesn't happen. Zero turnovers for a very turnover-heavy offense. Like, all these really well-coached things, but you still got blown out. So I'm wondering, like, what does this do for AP's chances? Like, how much the loss is the loss is a loss, and it's an L. But I think how the W's and L's come are part of the story. And this one's the hardest one to digest on on how bad it hurts Antonio Pierce. So when you're the head coach, everything falls down to you, right? It's all, it's, all your, it's all your responsibility. Responsibility and fault are two different things, right? Is it his fault that the play calling was pretty iffy? No, because he didn't call the plays. But it's his responsibility because he's in charge. The, the, the offensive coordinator, Coach Bo, reports to him. So yeah. is it his fault? I wouldn't say his fault, but is it definitely his responsibility? So we have two games in a row with questionable play calls, right? Um, some people might say that a missed field goal is just as good as a turnover. I tend Mm -hmm. to agree with that. Some people think that missing for it, missing it on fourth down is just as good as a turnover. I agree with that. We were 0 for 2. So there's basically three turnovers right there. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's the, the skimming, like what ESPN does when they cover the Raiders, right? They just kind of skim everything. And then there's actually taking a look at the game and what happened. We were in position to score more. We stopped ourselves from doing it because of missed field goals, you know, not, not getting on fourth, fourth down. Now, why we didn't get it on fourth down is, again, up for debate, right? Questionable call. Like, you're, getting, you're giving Josh Jacobs the ball so far deep in the backfield. You want to give him the ball heading downhill, yeah. So even if the, if the play blows like up, a late counter is terrible, dude. Uh, it's fourth and one. Like well, it's just you know, just just do the freaking push, man. Like yeah. Farva's like a big kid, dude. Like he, he can he can stretch out and get he got his first touchdown push. that way. Doing it's a little, just, a little it, push. It, look, you're just trying to outthink the room. Trying to trying to outthink the room, right? My, my, my question is: Is Mark Davis doing this analytics? I doubt it. I'll tell you I who I tell you, champ is. Champ is, but he's not making the head coaching decision. Well, I mean, if if I understand that they want to work together, right? 
but still you have to preserve your job and do your job as a GM. And sometimes your job as a GM, you can't excuse things. You have to call things out for what they are. Yeah. And definitely champ when you have, if, you know, I'm assuming that Mark Davis and champ have conversations about just in general, what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's something that needs to be brought up. And if it is, he needs to tell the truth, which is look, man, it's not his fault, but it's his responsibility. This is two games in a row now where we didn't do that great in the second half scoring points. We got to figure something out here. What is it? What's the, what's the disconnect? And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's showed the last two weeks, second half has showed coach Bo's, um, inexperience for sure. He looked like honestly in the second half, like a, a high school coach, offensive coordinator. Mm. And it was, just, it was like a bunch of flashy things just for the sake of being flashy. And, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think that we you, – you, you saw the, the post-game show. You know how I feel, right? So, um, I mean, what was your opinion of, of the second-half play calling? What did you think? Well, look, I mean, I mean, that's a separate conversation. I think, I think there was a lot of poor – I think it was all kind of jumbled together. I, I, think, I think that's been, that's been the case for four straight games where Farva starts off hot last week and this week. He started like 10 of 11 with a touchdown last week. Was it 11 of 12 or whatever with a touchdown this week? Like he's starting off great. So it's pre-scripted opening drive or two where you got your first 10 plays down, right? He's great. The offense has been awesome. But then the second you're starting to make adjustments and go on the fly and start analyzing and you're having a back and forth with defensive coordinator. It's a game of cat and mouse and who's hot, who's not, who's injured, who's playing well, like, that's when it all falls apart. So it's this yeah. weird, like the playbooks that like the, 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 the initial game plan is executed. But then as soon as there's like a, like a and minor left turn, the car comes right off the rails. Like it's a, it's like a, it's like a train, not a car. Like if everything's on the rails going in one direction, we're good. The second we have to make an adjustment, it's a, it's an 11 car pileup on the four Oh five. So this is why that gives me cause for optimism. Okay, mm. that tells me that when Farva is comfortable with the plays, he executes extremely well at an extremely high level. Mm. So the more defense, the more times he sees certain defenses, the more time he gets um, executing different aspects of the playbook, right? Mm. Against different defenses, he's going to keep getting better and better because he's shown when he's comfortable with what he's running, which is he's going to be, he knows the script going in. He knows what he's yeah. going to run. He knows where, where his keys are. Right. Well, once he gets that information, he, the more information he's able to download, the better he's going to be after the script. Yeah. Um, but to circle it all back to the, like to Mark Davis, he doesn't give, I don't think he cares about any of the stuff that we're talking about. I think to him, it's, we got blown out to a division rival. That's, I think, that's I what think scares me, man. I think that's what he's thinking. I know. If I know Mark Davis, like I think I do. I think he's just like, we blew a big lead against a division rival. Unacceptable. I, th I, I mean, I that's true. I'm not saying that's not true, but there's you got to look at the reasons why, not just that we did. And I don't know that that that's his strong suit. Um, you know, digging those those layers deeper. Uh, but it that's that's where you find the gold, man. You know, that's where you find the good stuff, and that's where you make. You know, the more information you have, the better decisions you make. Um, you know, making decisions on on just topical information you know just brushing the surfaces you can get lucky but you can also you know you can also make pretty bad bad decisions doing it that way
oh, you and I know that. But does a billionaire who inherited his father's company know that and go that way? That's that's that's, that's the, the tough that part. Man. That's the tough yeah. part. But that that's why you need to rely on people like 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 Miss Prez, like Champ. Like we have to you have to rely on those people to not be yes people, and to tell him, hey, you know, we got to look at all these inf- pieces of information, and um, we'll see, man. We'll see because honestly, if We'll see because if if he's relying solely on if Mark Davis is relying solely on his like group of advisors to make these big decisions and he's not involving people who aren't like yes people mm-hmm. like the like the president like the GM uh, it's it can be a, another bad decision. Time will tell. Um, I guess to answer the question, how much does it hurt or help Antonio Pierce in our eyes? I think there's a lot of good that came out of that game. Just you're going against Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the tight end that will remain nameless, and that happens sometimes. But a division loss, blowout, everything else after that sounds like excuses, unfortunately. Even if it's statistically yeah. correct, it yeah. comes out as excuses. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the game wasn't as 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 a when you take a look at like how the game was played, it was just like like he said in the past, it's a it's a play here and a play there that if they go a different way, it could be a lot different outcome, right? Yeah. But you get that and and you see where things are going wrong in the second half, where you're up 14 nothing and then you get outscored 31 to three. Like you see you, you kind of see it going wrong. That's when you know, even though uh AP is not calling the plays. He needs to be the, the the steadying influence on the play caller mm. to hey you know focus on what we're doing well, what did we learn from the script? Like work off of that and not not you know just have a little bit more more of a game plan going with what you're calling. It just seemed like he was just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, it was almost like the anti Josh McDaniels, where Josh McDaniels I'm going to run this, we're going to run this again and run it and run it and run it and run it. Even though it's not working, and Coach Bo is just like the ping pong ball in the, in, in you know in the room, just bouncing all over the place. Yeah, and we're trying here. We're gonna play this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do this. Like the like the coach from uh, Coach Klein from uh, from Waterboy. Yeah. <laughs> he just throws it back, and he throws it. No, wait. He thinks about throwing it, but he doesn't. <laughs> Does. Uh, well, one of the things that uh, we really didn't have on Sunday was 100% Max Crosby. He was there by some kind of act of God. He did get a sack. But it was a very, he was very. That was a Coons uh, freaking like. Yeah, they fell into his lap. Yeah. You know, those, those, those sex acts. Thank you, whatever. Yeah, well, like I said, like, Lord knows that he's earned a lot of them. So when a couple of them fall into his lap, it's like, all right, like they, you, but, you know, we're you, still uh, in the negative. We're still in the negative. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Max is still, he's, he still should have had more sex based on effort and technique and skill than he has, but he's, was the only guy that can do any pressure on the defense, you know, or uh, on the line for a while. So anyway, point being, we found out why we knew he was doubtful going with a knee injury. We had no idea how bad on his, the rush podcast. He explained he got septic in the leg. I'm showing you a picture of how swollen it is on that knee. He was hospitalized. He said in his podcast, he felt like he was going to die bedridden week of an NFL game. And he still played. That's so crazy. Look, man. Like, you know what a septic tank is? 
It's not a good thing. Yeah. You, you don't you don't <laughs> want that to be described in your body. Okay. So when you go septic, basically your body is poisoned. And your your body is poisoned to the point where your white blood cells cannot fight the infection. And it's it's a basically it's a losing battle. The infection is taking over the parts of the body that's infected. So if you have an infected joint like uh like Max Crosby had, if a lift if left untreated or if it if it just takes a wrong turn, he could have easily lost his lost his leg. It, it was case scenario, yeah. It was serious. Yeah. That's serious. And there's different like variations of how um septic something can be, right? Like luckily he's a multimillionaire with like tons of trainers and the best possible doctors around him, so he can turn that thing around faster than the average human being faster than most. Yeah. But just the fact that it was that bad and he still played and, and how he let it get that. I mean, I get it where it's like, okay, it's swollen. It's the middle of a football season, right? You're going to have bumps and bruises and injuries, especially the guy that plays as hard practices as hard, never misses a single snap like Max Crosby. He's probably used to every single bone joint tendon toenail in pain. Every day, like he's, he probably has hair that hurts just from how hard he plays. And so you're like, oh, I got a swollen knee, like par for the course. It'd be weird if my knee wasn't hurting today. And so it kind of makes sense that he's just like, oh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Oh, my God. It turned into a septic tank. What's happening? So you're you have the hangnails right in your fingers. Mm -hmm. And like you get that little puff, that little pus ball kind of like forms on the mm -hmm. side of your nail. Your mm -hmm. finger is actually hot. Like it's warmer. Than the rest of your body, right? Yeah. You can't tell me that with an infection that large, before it went septic, he didn't notice that his knee was feeling a little hot. Or the trainers didn't notice that his knee was feeling like that's just I don't know if he hit it from the trainers or something, yeah. but you can't not feel the the infection if it's that big. The rest of the D-line are like roasting marshmallows on his knee. Like, no, I'm good. We can play. Let me get this ribeye real quick. We're good to go. No problem. Uh, so on the coaching search discussion, and this is what I've always talked about with the, so often the Antonio Pierce discussion is, did he earn it or did he not earn it? When that should not be the question. And we had we that discussion all the time, like did this help it and did it not help? But it should not be yes or no, Antonio Pierce in a bubble. It should be of all the available people out there, of all the, a possible head coaching candidates is AP the best. That is how it should be approached. Um, we always talk about this on my UFC show where it's like, well, has this guy earned a title shot? It's like, there's no like script or prescription or rule book on you have now earned a title shot. If you've done X, Y, Z, it's simply who's the best out there. Who's the best option. Are guys hurt? Are guys unavailable? You know, oh, I got a 12 fight win streak. Well, this guy's got 13. It's like, oh, I only have a one fight win streak. Yeah, but you're the best one. You're the best guy available right now. That's how it should be looked at within Antonio Pierce. One of the other guys to keep out there, according to Las Vegas Review Journal's being Moxignari, hearing a name to keep an eye on when Raiders go through head coaching search, former Stanford head coach, former Raiders assistant coach, David Shaw. This is the first time a beat writer this season has tied a specific name to the Raiders job. Now, why this happened, who knows? Um, this stuff doesn't leak on accident. It could simply be David Shaw calling up Vinny and saying, hey, 
throw my name out there. Or it could be something like Mark Davis or someone in the front office calls down to Vinny. Hey, I'm kind of, I want to test the waters. I want to like dip my, my toe in the, I want to know what Raider nation thinks of this name. So throw this out there. We know Vinny is extremely tied to the Raiders organization, um, almost to a fault, right? Like he's not going to say anything that the Raiders don't like. So this is out there for a reason. Now that it is out there. Okay. All right, Vinny. We'll bite. We'll bite. What do you make of David Shaw? Possible head coach of the Raiders in 2024. Um, I think that there are a lot worse candidates out there. I think he's actually that is a ring endorsement. No, no, no. Hang on, <laughs> out hang of the hang gate. On, hang, on, hang on. You could do worse. Does Joshua finished. Daniels have a brother? <laughs> I, I think I think that he's actually a pretty good candidate. Okay. Um people like to look at his fade late in his coaching career at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um now, being you know, we we all know being Pac-12 fans, right? We're all the old Pac-12 at least. Yeah, being huge SC- Washington State, Oregon State guys, right? Big Pac-12 guys here. <laughs> hey, they might be the big winners. They might get all the money for the Pac-12 next year. Uh, but that'd be, tough. Yeah. that'd be hilarious, right? They get paid more money than like the teams that left because they they're splitting money. To only- Do you feel like a Big Ten team right now? You know what? I'm not going to feel like a Big Ten team until we play like Nebraska in December at Nebraska. Yeah. That's like those Wisconsin games, like those big old like outdoor just at the big house, right? That's what I'm going to feel like a freaking Big Ten team. So like, I've had people ask me that. Like, obviously, you know, those who know, you're USC, I'm UCLA. And people ask me like, oh, yeah, you're like Pac-12. What's that like? Oh, now you're in the Big Ten. How does that feel different? I was like, I never cared about conferences. Really? Like it was never like – obviously, it's structured to care because you play those teams right? You're going to play those teams. And if you win and you win the division or win the conference and you, you move on, but it's like nothing ever felt pack 12 to me or big 10 to me or sec. It's just like kind of like the teams that are there. I don't know. Maybe I, I know I'm in the minority in that anyway, bro. I'm telling you something right now. Those crowds at those stadiums, they're not pack 12 crowds, bro. Those oh, are freaking, sure. those oh, are like, sure. Even if we, even the Nebraska, Wisconsin, like, you know, those types of crowds, even those crowds are pretty freaking lit, bro. So it's going to be way different. Yeah. That, that I know. Way different. So look, David Shaw, when he took over, I, I heard it posed, and I'm not going to say who it was because, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a cool dude. I like him a lot. But he was saying that his success early on was coaching Jim Harbaugh's team. Yeah. He was offensive coordinator. He was offensive Harbaugh. coordinator. When Harbaugh was killing it at Stanford for those. Yeah. So Harbaugh leaves in 2010 to go to the Niners. So 2011 to last year, 22, Shaw had 11 wins, 12 wins, 11 wins, 8, 12, 10, 9, 9, 4, 4, 3, 3. So he had one kind of rough year in 14, uh, but the other ones were all double digits. What we know that maybe some fans that aren't Pac-12 fans don't know is that Stanford and Cal around that time, uh, they just stopped caring about sports. They just stopped caring about football. And um, they were a little bit tighter on the restrictions of people, how people can get in to Stanford. And so to now, I mean, with the new president they have there, they don't give two craps about sports and football and all that stuff. They, they really don't. Yeah. So um, it's, it's hard to get into that school anyway. 
and now they're making it even harder with the transfers. Like they, they don't take JUCO transfers, uh, so it's it was much harder to win at that type of school if you're David Shaw, especially in the late 20 teens. That's when it started getting really hard to, to win. But you know, you take a look at the first, you know, what 11, 12, 23, 34, 42. 54 in the first five years, 54 wins in the first five years. It's almost 11 wins a season. A season. So I don't know how many, how long those Jim Harbaugh recruits are staying at Stanford, but not five years after he's already gone. So they're getting their doctorates. Biology. He's, still, he's still able to coach and recruit and, and, and build. I don't see that. I wouldn't take a look at his last few, maybe four or five years at Stanford and say, oh, that's the type of coach he is. There's a direct correlation between the admissions uh, restrictions and changes at Stanford uh, and, and his, his ability to get players and his wins. Well, I think um, he's got the resume more or less of a Raiders coach, right? Pac-12 player, Pac-12 coach, um, plenty of NFL experience, Oakland Raiders experience. I mean, the resume's there, right? It's like when you're like looking at like, mm -hmm. you know, like two years before an election, the Republicans and Democrats are looking at their guys. It's like, all right, who's got the resume, right? We'll worry about like who's hot, who's electable. Like, let's just get a resume. Like, who's got the right resume? And when you're making the list of guys, like at least just with the resume, he's got one. He's got one. Good one. My big thing is, why are we going for the understudy of a guy who probably will be available in Harbaugh? Like, where are we going with the guy that was under him? Why aren't we going to the top? Why isn't that should be the focus? It should be the best, the absolute best. And if Harbaugh is going to be available, like I think he will, and like so many people think he will, that should be the target. Now, again, you don't zero in on one guy with no backups, but sure, have the name out there. Like I said, the resume is perfectly applicable to a guy to bring in and interview walk around hey say hi to the people that have been there for a while you haven't seen in a while you know like okay like that's a feel-good interview right give it a shot kick the tires but i'd be way more excited if harbaugh came and shaw was the offensive coordinator that would that would really pump me up imagine an offensive coordinator from stanford and defensive coordinator from yale with the brainiacs going on in uh, those meetings right that's what i'm talking about that should be what we were talking about shaw's oc Harbaugh HC. So here's the issue with Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a firework. Mm -hmm. Harbaugh cannot stay at a place for too long because he rubs people the wrong way. And it's not just the players. Mm -hmm. It's other coaches. It's administration. It's front office people. He just rubs people the wrong way. And if you're looking for a long term, I think you get a coach that is, I mean, it, again, it's different because he hasn't been a head coach in the pros, but you get somebody who did just as well in college as Jim Harbaugh did, but you don't get the the gruffness. I would not agree that he did as well as Jim Harbaugh as a head coach. Harbaugh has won everywhere. Little program, big Wait. program, college, pro, everywhere he has won. I don't know how many coaches can say that. Like how many coaches can say they've won everywhere they've ever been. Like Belichick can't say that. Like 
the greatest coaches can't all say like, no matter where I've gone, no matter what condition, no matter what the culture, no matter whether it's college or pro, I always win no matter what. And that's like, we were talking about my curse the other day. Like it takes an immovable object, be an unstoppable force. Like no matter who the Raiders have brought in for the last 20 years, it's just been awful. Haven't won the thing in 40 years. So it's like, how about like we test that, right? The Raiders, no matter who they bring in, we just can't win a Super Bowl in my life since I was six months old. So how about you go to somebody who always wins no matter where he goes? You're absolutely right. Like he, he comes with his warts, but what coach doesn't? What coach doesn't have like, well, here's a couple cr crucial errors about this person. It's like every coach has that. No, I get it. But the thing is, you have to, you, you just, you just left, you just got rid of a gruff coach. A gruff coach with a long history of sucking. Yeah, I get that. But the, yeah. but you're noticing that your players are responding better to somebody who's a little bit more in tune with them. So you can get both of that with David Shaw. Am I saying he's the answer? No, I'm saying this is these are reasons why he would be a good selection. I, I think there's plenty of good reasons why Shaw's a good selection, but I think the, the ones that matter the most, your history of winning, no one touches Harbaugh. Shaw's won too. Not like Harbaugh. Shaw's won. He's been, he's won everywhere. Like he does, and he doesn't fall off. Like he leaves. Well, <laughs> no, he, he did fall off. And he did fall off at Michigan. That's why, that's why they, um, they made him take a pay cut. Well, he, he got suspended and they went and he only coached six games, but then they bounced back. They've been in the last three years, Michigan, 12 and two, 13 and one, currently nine and oh. Okay, but keep keep going back. The, yeah, the, yeah, he had that two and four year when he got suspended, but then it was nine and four, ten and three. Nine and four and five. is not good. Eight and five is not good. That's pretty good for Michigan standards. What were they before no, it's that? Not. What were they before that? They always lost Ohio State. They lose one or two other ones. Okay, so first the, season, what, what, ten and three citrus bowl winners. Very first season. Okay. His first six seasons, Citrus Bowl, Orange Bowl, Outback Bowl, Peach Bowl, Citrus Bowl. Now he's lost. <laughs> this is the thing. He's lost. Look, here's look. the thing. Here's, here's he's lost six saying. straight bowl games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's probably, I guess that's like the, the you know, forget here's the gruffness. Look, he loses bowl games. We have to take a look at two is you have to take his last few years with a grain of salt because what what's the reason he's going to be available after this season more than likely? It's because he's going to be suspended for the entire next season because of he's been cheating, which is... I mean, you have to take a look at that's maybe why he has the record that he has because look at before the last couple of years. What was his record before the last couple of years? That's when he had to take the pay cut. Okay. Name a coach that is better, though. Again, it goes back to, like, best available. Like, yeah, okay, here's here are the warts with Jim Harbaugh, and they should okay. be addressed and so worked on. You're, there's, there's, there's the X's and O's, and then there's the Willies and Joes. You, you get a guy in David Shaw that knows the X's and O's, and it can, can also relate to the players a little bit better, relate to the front office a little bit better, be less abrasive, be less gruff, not be a freaking firework. I don't know, man. There, uh, there's 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 pluses and minuses. If you think that, let's just let's just say, for sake of argument, David Shaw is eighty percent of the coach that Jim Harbaugh is, X's and O's wise, but. Yeah. He's 
but Jim Harbaugh is only 50% of the of the, the the diplomatic person who can the interpersonal relations. I'm not bu- I'm not buying that he's this What are you talking office? about? That's no. the big knock on Harbaugh. I'm not buying That's it. That's the knock. Not went with his suspension. They like they were talking about like after they beating Ohio about, State they said when he was back in Niners, man. He said that back when he was with the Niners. They said that. That, that's that's not that's not a Michigan thing. That's before then. If it gets them to win, I'm fine with it. Look, it's like it's like Belichick, right? Like yeah. everyone hates him. Everyone hates it, but like, hey, but yeah, he winning, win, like, winning covers a lot. Right? Winning, winning is the, the best perfume out there. Best cologne out there is winning, right? I get that. I understand that. But you're you're, you're saying, well, he's the better he's the better candidate because of one thing. But that coaching is not just that one thing. Um, next one. We're from Raiders news. Next. This is a little bit, a little older, but we haven't touched on it yet. Um, our our very thin and depleted defensive back room is even more thinner and depleted. Her, I'm in, I'm inventing new verbs for how <laughs> how thin our DB room is getting. Uh, Roderick Teamer set to come out of IR literally on Sunday to play for the Chiefs. Got a DUI the, not for the Chiefs uh, against the Chiefs, right for the Raiders. Got a DUI that morning. Apparently, he was very excited of being taken off injured reserve. He cut. No brainer. He got we'll, 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 get, we'll get to that. Marcus Peters, who has been the starter for us all season, brought in to be a leader, a ball hawk, a veteran guy, pro bowler. Yeah, he's lost a step or two, but he can still contribute. He has Olaid one too many times. Antonio Pierce had a conversation with him uh, at halftime. He didn't play the second half, and now he's cut. Um, no brainer on both of them. Oh yeah. Okay. So starting with Teamer, look, just let's just kind of follow the rabbit trail, okay? You're going out late, and you're out early into the morning, the day of a game. That's bad enough. Mm-hmm. You're going out, and you're drinking. The night, the day, the morning of a game, you're out drinking. Yeah. All right. You get behind the wheel of a car after you've been drinking the morning of a game. You are going at high, very high rates of speed while drunk, while going, being out the morning of, like, if you, if you take a look at that, just all the bad decisions in a row Mm -hmm. after, and you're, you're doing all this. With the franchise who is trying to get in good with a new market and a player on your team a couple years ago who killed somebody for doing the same thing you were doing, maybe not to the extent, it just that's just an automatic, like, you're just too dumb to tie your own shoes. Like, what are you doing? This tells me, um, now it, it's, these are both pretty cool. I mean, Teamer seemed like these are both firings for two very different reasons. Two oh, yeah. cuts for completely different reasons, right? But they both tell me something similar about AP. Um, he is a guy that I think, not that I think it's been pretty well documented that players love, want to play for, enjoy. Um, and the flip side of that sometimes is that you're not tough enough on him. You spoil them. You let them get away with stuff. You know, they love you, but, you know, it's because, yeah, because you're making life easy on them. He has always said in multiple, multiple times since he's become head coach 
or interim head coach. She said multiple times, yeah, I do that. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. And there's some things that are unacceptable. This is him walking the walk of the talk he's been talking is okay. Yeah. Like players are going to love me. We're not going to travel early to Miami. We're going to give you the day off after a big win. We're going to let you, we're going to go to you players for advice on what to do and game plans. And we're going to get you guys involved. Like I'm going to be your guy, but there's a line. There's a line and whiffing and Olang in a game where you've got opposing receivers, crisscrossing us to death. Unacceptable. Getting drunk, driving, getting arrested, speeding, speeding the morning of a game. Unacceptable. This is a giant feather in the cap of Antonio Pierce. And I'm not a big guy of like, well, you know, you got to set us, make a, make an example of him. It's like, no, case by case, some guys, blah, blah, blah. But this is him absolutely walking the walk of the talk he's been talking. The I've already talked about Teamer. The Marcus Peters tape he's been putting out there, I tweeted it before the, 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 the Dolphins game. Dude, if he's going to play like that, you got to make a statement. You got to sit him because this is not a one, two week thing. This has been going on for a couple of months now where he's just been Ola. He, he thinks he's a matador or something. He's just, you know, Olaying everything out there. And there is a standard that you have to hold yourself to. You have to, hold, as a coach, you have to hold yourself to that same standard. What am I willing to let happen? Because if something's wrong and I let it happen, it's my fault. It's not the yeah. player's fault. It's the coach's fault for letting it happen. Putting him back out there with the same type of effort and the same type of result over and over and over again tells the rest of the team, it's okay if you don't give a, 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 that good of effort if you have a resume, if mm -hmm. you've been in the league for a while, if you've been made plays in the past. That, that it's okay to not give 100% effort. That is a bad precedent to set. So I think this was a great move by Antonio Pierce. You had to just shut it down. I think it should have been it should have happened a couple of weeks ago because if you and I caught it on tape, they're actually watching this tape over and hours and hours and hours. There is no way they didn't know this was happening over and over again. Absolutely ridiculous. He's dropping. He's he should have had three pick sixes this year. He's dropped two of them, and then another one actually caught him. Yeah. So it, it's it's sad that it had to happen this way because Marcus Pierce is such a Raiders type of guy. But you have to, you know, like like in the in the video that we put out maybe like a month ago or so, when we, when the twos was talking, the Raiders are known for being the hardest workers and for doing whatever they can. Do, they were doing whatever they can to get the job done. Mm -hmm. That's what the Raiders are known for: the hardest workers to get and doing what they need to do to get the job done. When all and your I, leaders are like that, right? Bro. Max, Jacobs, Devonte, you can't be the leader that doesn't lead by example. If anyone on the team knows what being a, cor a corner for the Raiders means, the type of effort and the way you have to play, it's Marcus Peters. And there's no way he was giving people just way too much cushion and he was not trying to talk. He was making he was making Marcus Peters business decisions. He wasn't making Raiders business decisions. He was yeah. cashing a check this season. He was cashing a check. He, he was mailing in. He wasn't trying to give a big plays, but you know he wasn't making plays he should have made either. So um, I hate to see it happen because I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of anyone who is a big fan of the Raiders, and unfortunately he got to play for the team that he's always wanted to, and may, maybe he's you know 
He's like Rocky. He's like in Rocky and Rocky Three. He's a little bit too much. He got domesticated. Like that's the worst thing that happened, Rock. Does that happen to you? That's gonna happen to a fighter. It was setups. No, there weren't setups. There was good fighters. There weren't killers like this guy. Don't knock you into tomorrow, Rock. Yeah. Uh, speaking of big plays, uh, Deshaun Jackson announced his retirement. One of the one of the biggest speedsters of the last two decades in the NFL. Just a dude that flew. Punt returner in his prime. Long time with the Eagles. Obviously, he had a little stint with the Raiders. Um, announces his retirement through the Eagles website. What is his legacy to you as a Raider? Sean Jackson. As a Raider? As a Raider. I don't care about the rest of it. Freaking fumbling that ball and that long pass yeah. to, against the Chiefs. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Running backwards? Like, what, what are you doing? You're fast. Just finding ways to get hurt. Right, catching the ball, and then if he's if there isn't just a bunch of open grass, just diving down to the floor so you don't get hit. Yeah, he, he's his his legacy as a player overall is just his speed. Yep, he's a he's an old school type of speedster in the NFL. Just run deep, and we'll just huck it up to you. Yep, and you know he was able to play that way. You know, in in a league that really isn't built that way. It isn't built to just tuck the ball deep all the time, and that's that's what he was. You know, he's because because of of the way football was played in the past. He's not like super. He's I think he's like thirty ninth in like uh, average yards per catch, but he's still it's like almost eighteen yards per catch for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely a lot more than what you see around the league right now. But uh, as a Raider, you know, there's that that game against the Cowboys where he took that that crossing. Went crazy. He just just dipped after that, but it just um, I, I don't want to look at his Raider career honestly because that just was a she was a, he was still fast, but he just wasn't what he was. Um, you know that punt return against the Giants where they actually punted to him. Like, what are you yeah. doing? You're kicking to the best re- kick returner in the league, and he, and he ran it back and won the game. Like, yeah, I want to do that. But yeah, man, it's he's he's definitely a, a, a strong freaking player, man. One of the best, most electric players in the league at his time. It's Jack Rabbit, Long Beach Poly. Yep. Right down the street for me. Uh, Eric Allen made the Hall of Fame cut to 25, right? It's technically, they call it the semifinals, right? Mm-hmm. Final 25. Um, again, a guy who ended his career with the Raiders, but he was with the Raiders during those really great early yeah. 2000s. He was a like big, years. big reason why. He was like, when that defense was kicking, he was a huge chunk. He was Epps, man. He came from the Eagles. He was another, yeah, another Eagle guy. Um, so here's the list. It's tiny if you can't see it of the top 25. N- not a ton of guaranteed guys getting in, right? There's not like a lot of just like multiple Super Bowl winning quarterbacks where you're like, all right, this guy's definitely getting in, but it's going to be an uphill battle. There's a lot of good names on there. A lot of good names. Again, not a lot of massive for sures, right? You do have, I would say Antonio Gates, one of the tight ends ever. I think he'll be in. So you, what I do is I look at all pros. You got to look at yeah. Willie Anderson. For all pros, Willie mm-hmm. Anderson's up there. Antonio Gates is up there. Uh, both Harrisons are up there. James and Rodney Harrison are mm-hmm. up there. Uh, you take a look at Wolferk. Uh, Wol- yeah, I haven't gotten down there yet. Wolferk, yeah. Phil Wolferk, fucking Darren Woodson. Mm-hmm. Like these Patrick Willis. Like almost every year he was an All Pro. Steve Smith is like famous. You know what I mean? Like he's. 
Everyone yeah, loves he's him. He'll, he's people love take him. A while for him to get in, but he's, he's gonna get he's, in because people love him. Yeah, but these other guys, the guys that I mentioned, those are like multiple handfuls of all pros, uh, almost every single year. So it's gonna be tough for Eric Allen to get in there on the first, on my not the first try, but get in there. But he's definitely, I think he's deserving of of going in there. But this 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 group, it doesn't have quarterbacks in it, but it has some guys that are just. I mean, they were the tip top of their position for years. Yeah. We're we're rooting for you. I think it's gonna be another probably two cycles. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, dude, two? those those guys that I mentioned, those guys were like top guy at their position. Like, who's the best X in the league? Okay, it's this guy. Yeah, he's they, they, those guys were in the in the in the conversation for for quite a few years. Yeah, ready to some what Winbex? Uh, yeah, why not? G360 Live. Let me wow. ask you this. Is there a difference between a veteran play caller and a rookie play caller? If so, then we can say play calling is part of the issue because our offensive coordinators only called plays in four NFL games. So we have a rookie play caller, a rookie quarterback, and a rookie head coach. Um, so this is, I pulled this out of a multiple, you're having a longer conversation with G360 Live. I like this conversation. Um, it's like, oh, you got to protect your rookie quarterback. It's like, well, do we got to protect our rookie offensive coordinator? Do we have to protect our rookie interim head coach? Do we have to like how many protections can we can we do here? And I think that's a I think that's a good conversation to have. So this conversation was about my like I was flabbergasted after the game that we stopped giving Josh Jacobs the ball. Uh, he got I think ten carries the first two drives of the game, mm -hmm. and he got ten carries the rest of the game. And the game was close. It was a four-point game going into the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like, you know, we were so far down that we couldn't make up the difference. You know, it was a tight game until the fourth when the Chiefs scored 10 and we didn't score any. And then it made it 14 points. So um, it just – I think that Coach Bo gets really caught up in – a scheme that he wants to run and he knows, Oh, this play is designed for this. This, this play can work to get this. Yeah. And he loses track of what helps his passing game become the most effective, which is still giving the ball to Josh Jacobs. And, um, so as far as all the rookies we're talking about here, um, that's why, where kind of that critical thinking comes into play where that levels of awareness, I think uh, AP has to tell, you know, Coach Bo, hey, man, keep it simple. Stick to what works. Stick yeah. to what we're doing good. Um, because when we got a little, when we got away from that is when we stopped scoring. There's one rookie you can't protect, and that's Antonio Pierce. He needs to step up. Yeah. Here. It all he falls at his feet, unfortunately. I'm not trying to say all his And he's the favorite. one with the biggest job interview currently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. AOC, he's going to have a job for a while. Like, you know, career backup. Does he have a starter one day? You know, time will tell. But he's proven like he's not getting kicked out of the league after this year. He's got a future. So, you know, what that may be is still up there. Um, uh, Bo's super, Bo super young. He's still, yeah. you know, he's, his, his career is just getting started. He's fine. It's, AP's the one on, on trial here, if, if you want to say it. So, He's the guy you can't protect. He's the guy that needs to cowboy up. He needs to, he needs to he's the guy that needs to progress faster than the rest because he's the one that that ultimately it all falls at his feet. 
And he's one of the biggest rewards at the end of the rainbow. If he yeah, does. For sure. So, uh, George Nelson, 82, 84. I definitely think it's time to go get Harbaugh AOC. The jury is still out, but we should look to upgrade at quarterback in the draft. Um, we kind of touched on this earlier. I think going after Harbaugh full court press is should be done regardless of how Antonio Pierce does. If he's, if, if Tony Pierce crushes it and he wins the interview and he's the guy and players love him. Great. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But by no means should we be ignoring other candidates just because AP has got uh, the locker room on his side. Let me ask you this. How gun shy do you think Mark Davis is going to be? Because Harbaugh's not going to come cheap. How gun shy do you think he's going to be having to give Harbaugh another huge, long deal to leave where he is now? It's funny you brought that up because I remember hearing like, the like you could tell who secretly was like friends with Josh McDaniels, not secret secretly, but guys were like kind of friends with Josh McDaniels, wanted to succeed. There's certain guys that were like kind of in his corner, and they're like, well, You can't get rid of them because you're setting a precedent that if you come to the Raiders, you're getting fired. And you know, who wants that kind of job? Uh, you mean you get to work for a year and a half and you get paid for six years? Everyone on planet Earth wants that job. Like, don't act like firing all these coaches and still paying their contracts is going to disgruntle play- coaches from coming here. It's literally the opposite. It's lit. Hey, guys, come swindle this billionaire in a bowl cut, fumble around for a couple years, and I'll pay you out for the for the rest of yeah, your contract. Yeah, he doesn't have a bowl cut anymore. He's got a mullet. It's like, no, this, I don't think this discourages anybody. I don't think Mark Davis is gun shy at all. He's already written these checks. He's got a checkbook. He's not... Uh, that's huge. He's not used to having with all the PSLs and how much tickets he's selling. Mm-hmm. I don't think at all. I think he's, I think he's, I think the checkbook's wide open. Bank, bank account's open, man. Mark Davis is standing there with two burlap sacks full of gold bullion with the dollar sign on it. And who wants to, who wants to win me a Super Bowl? Prove it to me. Bam. There's your money. I just, I'm just concerned about how the players will react. Mm-hmm. Especially the players who have been here through the the, the two coaching changes, um, when the, the the team is like, this is the kind of guy we can play and win for, and you bring in another guy that maybe isn't as player friendly. I, I'm less concerned. I think the leaders are pros, and the, <laughs> and the rest will get behind them. I think Max, Devonte, Josh, if he's still around, you know, I think these are guys that are like, this is how it works in this league. Lord knows the Raiders know what it's like to have coaches come and go and just have to keep going. Let me ask, let me, let me ask Lord you knows this. they know what it's like. Let me ask you this. If you bring in a new, a new head coach next year, right? Let's say you bring in, let's say you bring in, it doesn't matter. Let's say it's. Keep AP as linebacker coach. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's say you bring in another, uh, uh, let's say you bring in Harbaugh, right? Mm-hmm. What you said, Harbaugh and David Shaw, right? As OC. Okay. Together again. Janet Jackson. Uh, what do you do with Devontae Adams? Um, I think it depends on the quarterback. If, you, if we get a good quarterback in the draft or we trade for somebody. I think the quarterback's – I think that's going to matter the most. Does he want to play for a rookie quarterback? If it's – Another a one? Sick one. Another right, one. Maybe. It's a sick one. Score. I mean, again, and there's no and there's no ultimates, right? If the Jets are like, hey, Aaron Rodgers is back for one more season, we're gonna go in debt for the next five to try to win a Super Bowl now. Here's a like, one, right, here's, here's a one and a two. Here's a one, one, two, and 
another play or whatever, right? Like here's a one mm -hmm. and like one of our multiple defensive tackles that are amazing that you guys desperately, whatever, like everyone's for sale. Everyone's for sale. Yeah, I had this conversation with somebody, and they're like, "No, like, because look, I'm I'm of the I'm of the opinion that you keep your best players happy, and you you keep your best players. You don't you 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 want to get players that are that caliber, but you also have to think for the future too. And you have to think, you know, he's not hasn't been slowing down. He has a type of game that's not going to erode quickly, but." you want to get the assets too, and you want to start building positions, right? I think it's more or less like what you want to do as the Raiders. And I think it's more like you'll have to do what Devonte wants. Like I think if Devontae yeah, I think that's the big, that's trade, definitely, you're right. That's, that's definitely that's the biggest be. thing, uh, which is, you know, a good thing. He's still, you know, if, if that happens, I really don't hope it does. I, I, I want to keep him, but uh, if it does, it, you know, it couldn't be, it, it can be not, not a bad thing. This might be the best, um, the best, best, what a windbags we've ever had. Don't first off know. his name, Diva Tamer, at 94. Ooh, Great. O line, O line, no line, O line, one run, two run, three run, no fun. Illuminor's a swinging door. He hits the floor. Can't block no more. Left side, right side. Doesn't matter. Fright side. I'd forgotten about Van Roten. Cannot push. He lacks the tush. Can't remember why he got hired. Should be dropped. Yes, he should be fired. James is lame. Always the same. He cannot play. His game's too tame. Oh, what a shame. We're stuck with James. There's no one else left here to blame. Colton is badass, though. Dr. Seuss. That's pretty badass. <laughs> that was good, man. Eva Tamer, good. if you're listening, you're hired. You are now our new writer of the Autumn Windbags. Uh, no game this week. By week, chance for everyone to kind of lick their wounds a little bit. Great opportunity for this entire new coaching staff to catch a breath, right? <gasps> okay. Players right. get healthy. Players get healthy. Coaches catch a breath. This is, this is the last bye week, too. So we had, we had the very, very last bye week. Very late bye week. Same, so as, we'll same as the Vikings, too, though. So it's... Yeah, not the only ones. Yeah. But. Um, so a lot to, uh, we'll have plenty of time to digest and dive deeper. We won't be just like chasing games the next, uh, like week and a half, two weeks. So we'll have a chance to dive deeper and get some more great analysis for you guys as we always do until then. Knock on wood if you're with me.